You are listening to Healing Arts with Dr. Shelley Care. Visit me online at www.pastlifelady.com. Connect with me on YouTube at Past Life Lady or on my Facebook fan page at Past Life Lady. My book, Past Lives with Pets, was just awarded the 2021 Coalition of Visionary Resources Award in the animal and pet category. It got the silver medal. Thank you so much for all of your support of my book. I am grateful. My friend George Nori says, Dr. Shelley Care's Past Lives with Pets connects people to their pets in a way few people have ever experienced before, through past lives. She makes a case that our animals are with us for a reason. Their grief recovery processes are invaluable for anyone who loved and lost a cherished animal. That's from George Norrie, Coast to Coast AM. So my book will give you guided imagery exercises where you can discover how you knew your pet in the past. And if you have loved and lost your beloved animal, I'll help you go through a very gentle grief recovery journey that can really help you in this very, very difficult time. So check out my book, Past Lives with Pets, and thank you in advance for your support. The Healing Arts Program is not intended as a substitute for consultation with a licensed medical or mental health professional. The listener should regularly consult a physician or mental health professional in matters relating to his or her health, and particularly with respect to any symptoms that may require diagnosis or medical attention. This program provides content related to educational, medical, and psychological topics. As such, listening to the program implies your acceptance of this disclaimer. Welcome to Healing Arts. I'm your host, Dr. Shelley Kerr. Happy 4th of July. I hope you're doing wonderfully. So it is hard to believe it is the 4th of July, 2021. This time last year, as you remember, we were locked in our houses and we couldn't go anywhere. And I was just watching the news. My gosh, they said millions and millions of people are getting on airplanes everybody's getting in their car, and they said that this may be the second biggest travel 4th of July weekend in U.S. history. In other news, you know, it's been super weird. I don't know how you feel about this. I'm sure you may agree. I don't know. You're not here. Um, It's been really weird to go out in public again. I was so worn out yesterday, I had to force myself just to stay inside the house and just try to get myself back in order because I had been going out around town. I was taking care of some pets for a friend of mine, just driving over there every day and hanging out with the neighbors and seeing people 
that seemed really, um, I mean, it was fun. Don't get me wrong, but it was also kind of exhausting. And then the other thing I did, I went to a birthday party a few nights ago for a friend of mine who just turned 80. And many, many years ago, um, I'm definitely dating myself now, but back in the mid nineties, I worked at a local newspaper and I sold advertising and then I was writing these big feature articles at the newspaper. So my friend, that's how I know her, was from the newspaper. And so when I got there, um, I walked up to a friend of mine and I saw her talking to some people. And when the girl turned around, I went, oh my gosh, it's my friend. I haven't seen her since the 90s. It was crazy. And then the other one showed up. And the other one showed up. So I literally haven't seen these girls since the mid-90s. Is that crazy or what? It was so wonderful. We sat down. We were eating dinner. Everybody was laughing. They all have a bunch of kids and, you know, they're married and things like that. So that's one thing, you know, I'm not married. I don't have any kids. So sometimes I feel like I don't really fit in with this kind of a group. But now that so many years have passed. All of their kids, it's so weird to hear, to see this or to say this, but their kids are all grown up and now off in college. And so when we were sitting around the table, it was really cool because we were all kind of able to just go back to right, pick it up right back where we started. Because I think now that everybody's kids are grown up, Everybody's able to get back to who they really are as human beings when they're not being mothers. Because, you know, we all have different roles to play in this world. Maybe maybe we're a spouse. Maybe we're a parent. Maybe we're an employee. But we're also ourselves at our purest level when we're just being friends and hanging out. And so it was like we everybody was able to get back to that place. And so I felt like I could fit in a little bit better. <laughs> which I know sounds weird. So I think we're going to get together in July with even more of the group who were not there at this event. So that's going to be really interesting. So um, definitely interesting to get back out in public. But again, just because, you know, as you are probably aware also, when you haven't been getting together with anyone in a long time, again, it, it's fun, but it can be really, really, um, I mean this in a good way, but it can be a bit draining. All right, so now let's get to the point of why we're even having a program today. Um, I have a lot of different kinds of friends, as you know, and my friend Laurie Bryant is a really cool person. She's wonderful. She's a great editor, and so we're going to talk about her career as a romance writer and her book editing. If you have a book, particularly in fiction, and you need it fixed up so that it's ready for prime time, Lurie is really the go-to. She's wonderful. And again, the reason why I have so many different kinds of guests is because I, I consider myself to be a writer first, a healer second, a podcaster, maybe 10th or 11th. <laughs> and so I want to talk to different kinds of artists and creators because it's just interesting. You know, life is interesting and there's all kinds of interesting people out here to meet. And so one of my favorites is my friend, Lurie, and I hope that you will enjoy this interview where she talks about a lot of different things about the book industry. 
So let's check it out. Marie, welcome to Healing Arts. Thank you. So tell us, like, I don't even know if you and I have actually ever really talked about this. How did you ever, back in the day, first become a romance author? Um, I tried my hand at articles and short stories and magazine stories and all that kind of thing. And I finally decided to join a writer's group and um, went to the meetings, studied as hard as I possibly could, dissected every book I could get my hands on and went to a New York conference for writers ran into an editor there, told her about the manuscript I was working on, which was a Western-based historical uh, that uh, had about a third of it done. And back in those days, you were ironclad rules, supposed to have a whole full finished manuscript and an agent before an editor would even talk to you. But she liked what she heard about the story and she asked to see it and I sent it to her and they purchased it on that one third of the manuscript. And it's that amazing. was the beginning of uh, a good long relationship with that publisher. Which publisher was it? Uh, it was Kensington. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So how long did you stay with Kensington? I stayed with them about six or seven years. Wow, that's amazing. Kensington's now really pretty well known in the mystery genre. Yeah, but, they which, have, yeah, I don't think they were then, right? No, they branched out. They were very heavy into romance. And if you wanted to be published back in those days, your best chance was to try your hand at writing a, a romance to get it out. I had a great time doing it because I absolutely love uh, researching. I love history and uh, it was fun to do all of the work that was required to write that book and make it authentic. So I had a good time even, even though there had to be lots of details in it. I was having a good time doing it. And that's one of the, the most fun things about it for me is the research. I could research forever. It's just great. <laughs> that is interesting. It, it's when you're writing things like that, you, you do get to put your fingers in a lot of different pies to try to create these authentic characters, I think. Right. And I always went to the location that I was writing about and did research there talked to people, um, prowled around through all of the historical places, looked up the stories. A lot of the times, the idea for the stories sometimes came from those folks. One little uh, story from them, and I would think, okay, what happened to those people? Why did this happen? How did they get out of this mess? And then the fiction would take over and I'd, I'd have a story in my head, the whole thing before I got out of the room with that person. Wow. So there's a 
thing in writing about whether or not you're a plotter or a panster, panster just pulling it out of thin air. So are you more of a plotter or a panster? I am a plotter. I firmly believe in it for me. Some people can do it the other way, but, but that's where I'm the most comfortable. I know how the story starts, how the story ends. I know some things that happen along the way. I'm not sure where they're going to fall in. And there changes sometimes along the way as the characters develop. But I like knowing that. I like having that roadmap in my head. I, I do a full character uh, sketch on the people. I know all of them. I know the names of the horses if it's a Western. <laughs> I just like being in control, I guess. That's good. It seems like it is, I don't know. I've, I've done more panster-ish kind of things and that's maybe part of my problem because I think if you've got a, a plot, they need to have certain, there's timing and things that has to be yeah. in there that I don't know that I've quite figured out how to do yet, but I'm still working on it. <laughs> so I need to take a page out of your book, Larie. Let's face it. So, okay. So, how did you then, um, you were doing romances, how did you transfer into doing mysteries like you're doing now? Uh, I really kind of got tired of the romance and the requirements for it. I wanted the story to fit the characters and the situation better than the fact that the publishing house wanted hot romance. So I just decided I'd do something different. I was ready for a change. And I loved reading mysteries. Yes. And I've had some experiences in my business life that gave me an idea for a good character. And it, it just came out of that. Once I had the character, I knew what she could, what kind of trouble she could get into and what kind of person she'd be. Nice, very good. So, well, there's so many questions coming. So now you're doing a lot with editing and we have some mutual friends who, you know, have said you're the best editor anybody could ever ask for. So do you like the editing better than I the love. writing or? No, it's probably equal, but I love the editing process. I love working with people who care about the writing process as much as I do, who really love it and want to have that success for themselves. Uh, I particularly like working with new people and taking them step by step through the, the process where they can feel that they're really getting an education on it. I taught a lot of classes in continuing education and community college classes on writing and the business side of writing and all of the elements involved in it for many, many years. And uh, got into it that way and just thoroughly enjoy it. I book doctor, I ghost, I fix, I help with concept of the plot, characters, step-by-step uh, -step on the chapters, whatever anybody's looking for. I just like doing it. It's fun. 
That is so cool. Speaking of the business now, um, especially these days with Amazon and others, how do you, I mean, what do you have to say about the way the book business has changed completely since you first started doing all of this? Well, it's really tougher to get into New York to do anything. I mean, you really have to be a big, big, well-known person or write something so spectacular that they there's no way they can turn it down. It's it's a tougher business for sure. The self-publishing process has um, gotten better through the years. And while it puts a lot of work on the author to, to do it, to get the book out, it's pretty satisfying when you can produce something and, and have some control over it. For, with New York, once again, unless you were a big, big person, you got no input into title changes, if they wanted to do that into your cover art for the book. Uh, sometimes the people didn't even look like your people that are in the story but you, you had little to say about anything. They took over and they did what they wanted to do with it. Sometimes they did beautiful jobs and sometimes it was really disappointing the way things turned out. When your character on the cover was a blonde instead of a brunette that you wrote about, it made it kind of icky. Yeah. <laughs> So I, will, I like the part, I've done self-published and I've done uh, New York published and they've both got their good points and their bad points. But it is satisfying to get to pick your own cover and do your own decision-making on, on what goes in there and how that book is handled. Absolutely. I started publishing my nonfiction, you know, when everybody told me I was an idiot. So, you know, it is kind of cool to see. <laughs> it's not that uncool anymore to self-publish, which is amazing. Like legit people are having to start to even consider these self-published oh, books for awards people, and stuff. Big people are doing it. Yeah. A lot of yeah. them are because things have changed so drastically in the business. So it, it's think, not an embarrassment to do self-publishing anymore. You're an entrepreneur and you're pursuing your dreams. Absolutely. I think for the people who have a following already from New York though, then when they come over, even with your books, you know, people already have you in mind right. and now they could Amazon, I mean, I know people that's very controversial, but I've always had a good experience personally with Amazon because at least they're putting it out in front of the people who really want your books. Right. And I think people who have a following probably, you know, would do very, very well with that. So, yeah. And they have a big, big audience. They really do. Yeah. And making, you know, making more money, getting to, like you said, that is, I, I used to go to the romance writer meetings when some of the authors were going, oh, my cover looks horrible, you know, and I thought, well, you know, I would just love to have somebody publish mine, but okay. I mean, I could see where that would be frustrating though, when you've spent hours and hours and you've invested really every part of yourself when you write a fiction novel. I, I find that's a totally different 
you know, experience in writing nonfiction because nonfiction is just like a cookbook, but now you really have to be invested in those characters emotionally. And so to go through all that and then have somebody not even notice that your character's a blonde or something, that would be really, really frustrating. I can Well, and there's such time difference too. Uh, It takes months and months and months to get a New York published book out because uh, all their process and getting it in their sales catalog and lining it up, you might sell it and it'd be a year or more before it actually shows up in the bookstores. Uh, the royalty payments can come as long as 18 months after publication before they start. They come twice a year normally. And that makes a very interesting budget situation (laughs) when your paycheck comes twice a year and you don't know what it's going to be when it shows up. So you're more in control of the self-publishing situation because you can decide when to launch the book and uh, with the uh, most of the places that carry the self-publishing the royalty turnover is much much faster yeah Um, that's one thing I had had some publishers back in the day that didn't you know didn't pay so yeah that happened too yes Amazon does pay I can say that so yeah I don't know right now I'm in this mix of the books that I've published myself and then books that I've given to publishers so I think that's a good place to be but who knows you know it's all kind of a it's an ever-changing situation it is Uh, I don't think you can turn your back on any of it I would certainly publish with New York again uh that's prestige and and all sorts of other perks. I'll, I'll never forget being in New York for a, another writer's conference and going in a bookstore on Times Square. And my first two books were in there on the shelf. I mean, I was in heaven. Went back outside with my friends, stood in front of the bookstore, took a photo, this store on... Times Square has my books. It it was great. That's amazing. Yeah, those kind of things are just once in a lifetime situations. Yeah, absolutely. So if you if somebody's out there watching this and they're thinking, hey, I want to I want to get started. So you're saying like you as a consultant, you're available to anyone, even if they need help with a plot. Or if they've got something half-baked, I call it half-baked when it's not quite done, all the way up to full manuscripts and things like that. What I tried to do was provide the services that I wished I had had when I was first starting out. The thing, money was tight. I had two children to raise by myself. Uh, I worked full-time. You know, it was a crazy life trying to do all of these things. And I wanted to make it available and easy where somebody could do it at their own pace. They could do part of a manuscript, the character sketches, the synopsis, whatever they wanted help with. And and not at some humongous price that like you see out there sometimes. 
money's never been my biggest thing. Um, I just, I like the helping and the teaching. It's very, very satisfying. That is so cool. How can people reach you if they want these kinds of services? They can email me at lbryant316 at aol.com or they can call me on the telephone if they want to. 972-255-0316. All right, cool. I will put this in our notes here so people can reach you. So what are you working on now personally? I am uh, revising some of my older books to get them all reissued again. I'm also writing a a little cozy mystery that centers around a romance writers conference, having been to lots of those in my life. And I served on the board uh, for six years of the biggest one in the United States for romance writers, there were just lots of things, lots of behind the scenes situations and all. And it's uh, it's humorous. It's tongue in cheek and humorous and I'm having a great time with it. I wanna read that. <laughs> it's, it's really, Sandy read uh, part of it and she said, oh my God, it takes me back. <laughs> That is so cool. I went to the Romance Writers of America for the first time when they had their national conference in Dallas. And I remember walking in there and seeing all these women running around eating chocolate and reading books. And I thought, my God, I think I found my tribe. This is incredible, you know. And then I went to a a literacy luncheon one time, which was really funny. And um, I was paying like $35 a plate for some food. And when they brought the meal, it was a bunch of dessert. And I said, oh, yes, I love it. <laughs> you know, where else are you going to get this? You yeah, know, right, right. It's a great atmosphere. And it's it interesting. is. It is endlessly interesting. Absolutely. They're not doing as much of that now, obviously, especially. Well, after not the with pandemic. the pandemic. Yeah. It, yeah. it has stopped a lot of things, but that's. That's when you do your best you can to get involved with the group and and find a clutch of people that you can relate to and talk with and what if with. You, we need each other. Yes. Writers really do need each other. Yes. Because it's kind of, um, you know, it's it very is a alone lonely for business. a lot of it. Yes, you have to put your rear end in the chair and be alone or else nothing's going to happen. That is true. I think that um, since I really started focusing on my writing over the years, I've become more of an introvert because you have to kind of teach yourself to be away from people, you know, which maybe didn't used to be my natural way. But now I've become much more introverted in my older years, let's just say, because of that. I mean, you know. But you need balance. Yes, still got to have those folks to talk with, to bounce ideas off of, to listen to when they say, wait a minute, (laughs) you've got a flaw in here, think about this or that, and and get you back on the right track. Absolutely. What do you think about um, critique groups in general? 
I think they serve a purpose. I was never real crazy about critique groups because sometimes it, it was who can kind of tear somebody down more than someone else, you know, find fault. I like to look for the good parts of what the person has done and then gently give them ideas about what they might do to, to keep growing and, and changing in this business. Um, I like having a small group of successful writers to bounce ideas off of. And that's where you really get honest input, the good remarks, the bad remarks. They all help. Yeah, I think that I, I agree with you. Um, it feels like like just having a couple of people who you really trust and respect their opinion right. and it, they can go ahead and tell you the truth. You also have to have people who are willing to tell you the truth, you know. And, and there's not and a lot gently of enough, you know, that they're not just trying to stomp all over you with it. Yes. Or Absolutely. look at look at me how much I know I can set you straight. Yeah, I think that's why I've never really put my stuff out to critique groups, but just to, like you said, a couple of people. I, I read um, Stephen King's memoir called On Writing many years ago, where he was talking too. about this. Like yeah. he said, you have to have an ideal reader, like even when you're writing, who am I writing this for? And he said, I'm always writing it for my wife. And so he said he'll give her his manuscript and then he'll sit over there and go, <sighs> yeah, <laughs> you know, he's watching her and he's like, oh my God, I don't see her laughing. Wait, she smiled. Oh, how wonderful. You know, because I mean, writers, you know, we can get a little crazy sometimes. Yeah, you want, want everybody like to stuff. love your work just like you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you also need the gentle honesty to, yes. to keep you going in the right direction and make that the best book you can possibly do. Yes, I totally agree with that. Um, in nonfiction, I, I took that to my nonfiction career and I had a friend who's now passed away, but um, he had been my ideal reader. So I would run everything by him. And he told me to make a major change to one of my books and I did it. And then that ended up being very, very successful, that one. So, right. you know, so you, I think there's a fine line between someone whose opinion you respect. And if they tell you no, then you have to think, well, you know what, do I respect what they're saying or not? And then am I willing to do what they're saying to make it better? And again, I think it has to be somebody you respect, but I don't want to put it out there to everybody because too many cooks, you know, I think spoil no, the broth. Everybody, there are a lot of people who want to put their stamp on it. And that's not what you want to do if you're, you're trying to give somebody some help. You want it to be their story, their characters, but headed in the right direction. So it's a gentle process. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So we are going to have our audience contact you for editing and publishing advice, and I will have your phone number. So um, in general, do you think the pan, I guess to end this, so we've been in this pandemic for this year, and it seems like there are a lot of really creative, um, creative new ways of doing things that have come out of this. Do you think it's a, been a creative time in the midst of all the tragedy and chaos? I, I think 
it's done some good things. It's, it's made us maybe sit down in the chair and work a little harder because where are we going to go and what are we going to do if we don't? And I kind of like the Zoom meetings and all where you can still interact with people and, and discuss things and, and do some real nitty gritty work if you want to. So it's, it's worked okay for me. I've really liked it too, because it feels like, I don't know, there's just, a, um, we have a lot more time when we're not going here and there, and yet we can still be with people and have meaningful conversations. And like you said, I've had a lot more time in the chair this year. Oh, yeah. It's kind of made me realize, wait a minute, was I just wasting time before? <laughs> what was I doing? It's easy, you know, to think, oh, I'll stop and go to lunch with buddy or go to a movie or I'll do this or that or the other. It's easy to find excuses not to write. And I have found through the years the very best thing any writer can do is write every single day, even if it's only 30 minutes. Even if tomorrow you read it and say, yuck, this is junk and you delete it, you start again. Keep those juices flowing those ideas in your head, the characters walking around up there in your head so that you know where they're going and what's going on with them. It keeps you in the story and it makes you eager to go back to the project, not think, hmm, today I think I'll mop the floor instead of going to the computer. Yeah, I've done a lot of house cleaning over the years. Like, <laughs> yeah. let me go dust. You know, it's like, wait right. a minute, I need to be Just sitting in the chair. Dust, don't we? <laughs> yeah, it's dusting. It's very productive. Very productive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then I'm thinking, wait a minute. I know now, based on what's happened this last year, I've written a lot of books this year that, you know, obviously more was possible than I maybe thought. And so right. I, I don't know. I mean, I want to get together with people, but I still do like the Zooming. I, I'm a big fan of it. I, you know, I think at the beginning of this, there was a, this kind of collected shock where we were all going, oh my God, what are we going to do this year? And then once I started realizing this is how it's going to have to go, you just kind of have to embrace what's right in front of you, whether you like it or not. And I've kind of come to really enjoy the Zooming. Yeah, I, I like it too. Uh, I like seeing everybody in the faces that you know being around my friends again absolutely so it's i like it's the fact also out. people can bring their animals yeah. <laughs> and we get to see inside their house i mean where, when are we going to get to do that when we're all hanging out at a restaurant i don't know it's That's just been very true. interesting that is so true. anyway all right well you are amazing and i just wanted to put this out there because I know you're such a great editor. I, in fact, I've got a plot. I'm going to, I'm going to contact you about this very soon. It's been in my mind for 20 years. So I figure if something's in your mind that long and it's stood that kind of a test of time, maybe it deserves to be time to write. run through, but I feel like rather than pastoring this thing, I, I need to consult you about its plot so that maybe it could be properly produced. Okay. <laughs> We'll do it. So I will be calling you and I hope listeners and viewers, I hope you will check out Laurie. She's amazing. Uh, somebody who we are all in, see, we're in a writer's group together and have been for many years. And she's one that we all have the most respect for because, you know, sometimes again, you need a professional who knows what they're doing, who's going to tell you what you need to do to get it going. So if you have a dream of writing, 
this is the lady you need to contact. So we have done it again, friends, another episode of Healing Arts. So I will see you next time. Have a wonderful week. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Healing Arts with Dr. Shelley Care. Visit me online at pastlifelady.com or on YouTube at Past Life Lady or connect with me on Facebook at Past Life Lady. Did you know that scientists now say that up to 50% of your personality is carried over through your DNA? I know, right? It's shocking, but apparently it's true. And that's the reason why you will love my book, Heal Your Ancestors to Heal Your Life. Through the book, you can take guided journeys into the past and discover places where your ancestors need healing. You can send loving kindness, grace, and healing light to your ancestors and experience the ripple effects as that wonderful energy travels through time and affects all people in your family tree. So check out my book, Heal Your Ancestors to Heal Your Life from Llewellyn Worldwide. Right now, when you purchase any of my Llewellyn titles, that would be Meet Your Karma, The Healing Power of Past Life Memories, Past Lives with Pets, or Heal Your Ancestors to Heal Your Life, I will gift you a free audio recording where you'll go into the Healing Arts School and you'll be able to take a guided journey straight from the book. And I'll give this to you free with your purchase. Just send me an email, send me a copy of your receipt to Shelly, that's S-H-E-L-L-E-Y at Shelly Care, K-A-E-H-R dot com, and I will enroll you into a guided journey. You can also find the details about this offer on my homepage on my website at pastlifelady.com. Thank you in advance for your support of my work, and I hope that these guided journeys will help you. Hi friends, Dr. Shelley here. Guess what? You're not going to believe this. I have another book coming out from Llewellyn Worldwide. It will be out on December 8th and it's called Blast from the Past, Healing Spontaneous Past Life Memories. So earlier in the 2000s, I wrote a book series, which I have discussed on the Healing Arts Podcast about a phenomenon I call Supretravee spontaneous past life memories. This is when we're trying to mind our own business and yet we're hit with this picture, thought, or feeling about something that happened to us in the past. This was happening to me all the time while I was traveling to other places and what I found through my research is that I truly believe this happens to every single person alive. The book has some incredible endorsements from people like Coast to Coast's George Norrie and others, 
And it would mean the world to me if you will go out and pre-order my book so that you can have it before the holidays when it comes out on December 8th. So check out Blast from the Past, Healing Spontaneous Past Life Memories, now available in pre-order on Amazon.com. And thank you so much for your support. Namaste. Namaste.